Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. People don't understand that they have a destiny in God. It's not just for people who do big things. We all are to do big things for God because if God calls us to do it, it is big in His sight. It is an assignment that must be done. And every one of you that are listening to me tonight, you have a destiny in God. And this, as you journey in this life, you are on your journey through uh, a destiny waiting till you get to the destination that God has for you. Amen. Now, you know, one day uh, uh, we're not going to be upon this earth anymore. Either Jesus is going to come and we're going with him or we're going to, uh, uh, to die. And this earthly body, this tabernacle that we have is going to lay down. And at that particular time, we can do no more. The Bible says that you cease from your labors at that time. And so, you know, it's very important that right now we understand what God wants us to do in life. And if you are going around and and your self-esteem and your self-image is below what God wants it to be, you will never think you can do anything for God. Now, the Bible says not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. So it's a real balance. I'm still talking about humility here, but I'm saying that we realize that the greater one lives on the inside of us and what God wants you to do, you can do. Now, who can determine it, what it is that God wants you to do? I can't determine it for you, and you can't determine it for me. But you see, what we do many times is we look at one another, and we see someone, and they say, well, I want to do what they're doing. No, no, no. You don't want to do what they're doing unless that's what God wants you to do. Lots of people do good things. Don't get jealous because people are doing good things. You just say, I'm going to do the good thing for God too. I'm going to find my place. I'm going to do the good thing for the Lord that He wants me to do. You don't have to be jealous or envious over what God wants, uh, you know, how He's using someone else. He wants to use you. Amen. But many times people can never get into that position or situation where they can find out what they're supposed to do in this life because of the self-image and self-esteem problems that they suffer. And again, you're not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but you are not to put yourself down either because Jesus Christ lives on the inside of you. And you just take your self-esteem and your self-image from Him. You know, if you've suffered through life and you've been put through many things or put down or wounded or crushed by the circumstances of life, you take the identity of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that He took our sin that we might take His righteousness. In other words, folks, what we are doing is taking on the identity of Jesus Christ. We're no longer losers. Now, you might have been a loser, but you're not when you come to Jesus. Did you hear me? You are not a loser. Well, you know, I've had so many failures. I don't care whether you've had failures or not. And Jesus doesn't care. Now, he, He's not wanting us to fail. 
But he wants you to just get up and go on with your life and don't camp out in the areas of your failures. And so I want to encourage you in that tonight. Take on his identity. Be what he is in the earth. If he's the salt and the light, you be the salt and the light. If he's the light of this world, he's in you. You be a light where you are. Well, nobody would listen to me. I'm telling you, you have influence and somebody will listen to you. We need to be sharing our faith all the well I do, I could nobody you know nobody just wants to listen to me everybody just kind of overlooks me I don't know what it is I'm telling you what don't you let them overlook you That's right That's right well, What does that mean you just get right up in their face no you bind that devil that tries to do that to you You know many times we're supposed to be in certain places and in certain positions and the enemy will try to keep us out of that and people will assist him in it now, you know, for years in this church, there have been people that have worked against us. They'll be right in here, and they'll be working against us. They'll go out there, and they'll work against us, you know. But you don't have to allow that to happen. That's just a little side trip. Just go around them and go on. But, but see, many times what we do as human beings, we so care what people think, and you should to some degree, but you know what? You can't get into people's heads and make them change and make them see things, you know, from your heart that you're really trying to do or really trying to express. So don't, don't you know, love people and you just go on and let them do what they're going to do. I, I like what Brother Osteen said and you know, he's gone to be with the Lord. Many of you know who John Osteen is. But, uh, but I remember years and years ago that he said something that stuck with me, and it's so profound. You know what it was? You hold your row and let everybody else hold theirs. Well, isn't that profound? And Southern. But that's the way it is. You can't control what other people do, but you can... Uh, to some degree, you and the Lord, you know, take your life and go where it's supposed to go. Amen. You understand? And so don't let people stop you. Well, they're in my way. They're in my way. You stand strong. You say who you are in Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And they keep bringing up your past. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have come, become new. Don't let people hold things over your head. Well, they do. Well, you just go on. You don't, be, you don't stop. You don't allow them to do that. And you can go on. Amen? So again, we're going to talk uh, tonight about another uh, basic negative emotion that robs your emotional stability and well-being. And I want to talk to you for a minute about anxiety. Everybody say anxiety. Now, when you're talking about anxiety, you're talking about worry, or fretting, or listen to this, or destroying care. Destroying care. Now, there's some care that is good care. We have here, uh, where's Tony? Uh, Tony and Melissa, you, you all take, uh, you know, a, a big part in the guest care ministry. We call it guest care. Why? Because we're caring for our guests, our visitors, and we do have a care for them. So there is a kind of care that is good. It is a good care. It is a concern. It's not talking about worrying and fretting. That's not what we do over our guests. 
We just minister to them. We take care of their needs, or at least we try to the best that we can. But you see, anxiety is destroying care. It's care that is like a cancer, and it will eat at you. And worrying and fretting and anxiety and all of that will stop you from being who God wants you to be and from uh, uh, getting to the place where your self-esteem and self-image is what it's supposed to do. Now, I want us to look at a scripture. I want us to turn to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6, and we're going to look here tonight at this scripture that has to do with anxiety. And it may be one that's familiar to everybody, but, um, but I think it will be a benefit. Amen? That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for 6, I'm sorry. Chapter number 6. And uh, let's start... Uh, looking here at verse number 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubic unto your statue? And what... Uh, and why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For the, after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows what you have need of. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, what it's saying here in life, there are many opportunities to take care and take worry and anxiety and take it upon yourself like we can do something about it. He said, you're not going to change anything by worrying and fretting and taking those thoughts and speaking it out of your mouth. See, you take a thought by saying it. You take a thought by saying it. And, and when you do, you just bring all that anxiety and worry and care upon yourself. Now, a, a problem in our society today uh, is panic. People just panic. They have panic attacks. They have anxiety attacks. And you see, if we would just do what the Bible says, then we wouldn't have to face those kinds of things. Now, the enemy... Uh, is loose on the earth and there's no doubt about it. And anybody who wants to worry and fret and, and be anxious about things, the enemy is going to make sure that you have plenty to be anxious over. But I'm here to tell you, you can't change anything by worrying and by fretting, but you can change it by the Word of God and prayer. 
And when you take it that way, I'm telling you, you're going you're to build yourself up on your most holy faith. You're going to build yourself up in who you are in Christ Jesus. You are going to see that God loves you, that Jesus cares about where you are, and he's made a way of escape out of whatever you're facing. And worrying and fretting and being anxious is not going to change anything. Now listen to this. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful or anxious, the Amplified Bible says, for nothing but in everything by prayer let your request be known unto God. Now how does he say to handle your prayer then? Does he say, I mean handle your problem. Does he say take it and meditate on it and think about it and let that seed of worry and fretting be planted in your heart and it's going to grow up into... No, he doesn't tell you to do that. He he said, be anxious for what? Oh, one thing, you can be anxious over that. This thing over here, you can be anxious over that. Your marriage, your children, your finances, you can be anxious over those things. No. He said, be anxious for nothing. Amen. Be careful for nothing is what the King James says. Don't be anxious about things in your life because you can't change it. But how can you change it? But in everything by prayer. Now, what did we do here tonight? We had a little prayer meeting, didn't we? And we were taking these things that we might have challenges or obstacles with or whatever, and we are praying about them rather than us wringing our hands about them. But we're taking them to God and we're praying over it, and that is how we handle our problems. If we will handle whatever we're facing by taking it to God in prayer, taking our what? Our request. Now, see, I'm going to give you a key right here. A lot of people worry and fret, but they never take what their problem is to the Lord. They never bother to take it to God. And because they don't, they're not going to get the solution. They're not going to get the answer. Why? Because one man said it like this. It seems that God will not move in the earth except a man will ask him. And that is really true. We are to take the things that worry us, the things that bring us anxiety, the things that cause us to fret. We are to take them to God. Say, take them to God. And in taking them to God through our prayer, He will hear us. What do you do when you take your care to God, when you take your uh, worrying to God? Do you pick it back up when you finish? Do you have it, does He have the holy basket there and you just drop your care into it and then before you leave you pick it back up and take it out with you? No, you lay it at the foot of the cross. You lay it there where Jesus has provided a way of escape for you. He has provided answers for you. The Bible Bible says, cast your care upon him for he cares for you. What does that mean? It means to hurl it away. Don't let it any longer pass this night. Stay in your life and stay close to your heart and stay close to you because it's robbing you of your relationship with Jesus, with other uh, people. It's robbing you of who you are in Christ Jesus, not allowing you to do what you're supposed to do in the kingdom because you're all wrapped up in your own care and worry. And he said, you cannot add anything to your height or, or any, you can't change anything about yourself. He said, but what will change it is you taking 
your care, your worry, your anxiety to God and give it to Him. Cast your care. Hurl it away just as fast as you can. Don't let it stay there. Don't let it stay in your life because it is like a cancer and it does eat up your faith and it does eat up uh, 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 what, you know, God has for you. It just begins to eat like a canker the Bible talks about. So don't allow it to stay there. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, let your request be made known to God. Amen? Amen. Now, Proverbs 23, 7, I want you to listen to this. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. When you begin to take anxious thoughts, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. My marriage, it looks like it's falling apart. You know, my job, I'm just having difficulty. You, you begin to take those thoughts upon yourself, and you know what the Bible says? You're going to become what you're thinking on. I like what the Amplified Bible says. Uh, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so will he become. In other words, if you're thinking failure, if you're thinking that you're not going to be able to make it, that's what's going to happen to you. You're going to become what you're thinking about, a failure. You're going to become what you're worrying and fretting over because that's thought, that's giving thought to those things. And we don't want that, do we? As a man thinks in his heart, well, nobody knows what I'm thinking. No, but God does, and it's a spiritual law that has energy to it. And your thought and taking those thoughts and worrying and fretting has got a way of manifesting itself out of your life. Amen. It's just like shoots coming out in the spring on a tree. You know, they just begin to shoot out. And that's kind of, and we think, where in the world did that come from? That's what we've been thinking about. That's what we've been worrying over. That's what we've been fretting over. And it's beginning to manifest. Now, God spoke this to me, and I had to learn a real hard lesson right here. I knew that I had some things in my life that were just giving me a lot of difficulty. And I was taking those things, and I was thinking about them. I, was fret I really was fretting over it. And, and, you know, it took me a while. I don't know, what, why is it that it just has to dawn on you? I, I know the truth. I know those kinds of things, but I'm human just like you, so don't, you know, start pointing because I'm human. But, but God spoke to me, and he said, you better deal with it because if you don't deal with it, it's going to start coming up in your life in physical things, physical difficulties. And you know what? It's really true. It will. It will express itself in your life. It's not, well, it's in my heart. It's just in my mind. No, honey, it's coming out. It's coming out. The shoots are coming out. And the shoots are coming out. And when they come out, it's there to bear fruit. And unless you lop it off with the Word of God, doesn't he say that you are clean or you are pruned by the Word? You better start putting the word in your mouth. You better start pruning some of that stuff off. It can come back into your life, like I said, in physical infirmity, sickness and disease and that kind of thing. And I believe that our society is so prevalent with that kind of thing because the world is full of worry and care. They're anxious about everything. You know, are the terrorists, are they going to blow up, you know? Here we are close to Oak Ridge. What's going to happen, you know? I tell you what, I certainly think that we need to stand against terrorism. 
I think we ought to. I think we ought to stand against those spirits. I think we ought to pray. But you know what? You can't change it by worrying and fretting. But and again, I know the way that we can, and that is through prayer. Isn't that right? Taking our problems to the Lord, casting that care over on Him, and He can change it. You know, some people are afraid to, to fly. You know, they just worry and fret over flying or doing anything like that. But you know what? God's plan may be that you get on that airplane sometime and go to Venezuela with us. You know what? So you have to overcome that anxiety. You have to overcome the fretting and the care over those things. It's very important to remember that. Can you say amen? amen. Okay. Turn your Bible to 1 Peter 5, 7. Everybody bring your Bible to church. If you don't have it tonight, make sure you start bringing it because it's very important. And if you look at it here, it'll be easy for you to look at at home. Well, I'm going to start here in verse number 5, uh, chapter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. That's talking about submitting to leadership. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. See, he says be subject to, to your leaders, but then he says be subject one to another. And so we're to be humble in that way, amen? And he said, and be clothed with humility. And that's really talking about uh, humbleness of mind. For God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. If you, you know, if you're going to be proud, you're going to be put down. But if you will be humble, he will lift you up. Amen. Amen. So he says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. See, he said, God's not going to humble you. He said, you humble yourself. And if you don't, there's an enemy that's going to take care of things for you to humble you. And then listen to this. Casting all your care... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, God. That he may exalt you in due time. Some people, well, when am I ever going to be exalted out of this? I th I, you know, I say I'm the head and not the tail all the time. God, when at work are you going to exalt me out of this? He said, in due time. You hang in there. Don't you give up. Okay? It's due time. In other words, he's got a timing for it. And then he goes on to say, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now, if you're a person who worries and frets all the time, I, I want you to look at this next verse because you need to understand this. Be sober, be vig vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Now, you, I'm going to tell you, you know how to resist the devil steadfast in the faith? By the, just a few verses above that. By casting all your care upon him. Cast all your care upon him. For he cares for you, understanding that because he cares for you, he's not going to leave you in that. Okay? And understanding that when you cast it, that it gives the enemy less of an opportunity to get into your life. Why? Because he's going about as a roaring lion. And you know, he's seeking those who he can devour. And he will try to devour those who are worrying, who are fretting, and who are anxious. And he will take and strip people of their self-esteem, their self-dignity, their self-image if they stay in that. He says, as a roaring lion, he walks about seeking those whom he may devour. Well, who is he talking about? Those who are not casting their care upon Jesus. Amen. 
Now, it can, it, of course, it can go over into a lot of other things, but isn't that what he's talking about there? And when you don't cast your care, you give the enemy opportunity, license, if you will, to seek you. Seek out. I tell you, you know, it's like in the water. How many of you have seen Jaws before, you know? In Jaws, you know... I don't know that music, but, you know, it's, everybody knows what I'm talking about. You know, Paul, do you know that music? <laughs> I'm just putting him on the spot. I'm kidding. But anyway, you know, they start playing that music. The people are in the water, and they're kicking their legs, and they're showing all of that, and you know that what's getting ready to happen. And here the shark comes and takes a chomp, and when he does that, the blood goes out in the water, and then that makes the frenzy worse. Well, I'm telling you, when you care about everything in a wrong way with the destroying care that I was talking to you about, when you're anxious all the time, when you're worrying and fretting about everything, it's just like blood in the water. The sharks are a-coming. And see, we don't need that, do we? We do not need that. But he said, take your care and cast it on the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about being frivolous, but I am saying we can't do anything to change it, but he can. So push it toward the one who can do something about it. Amen? So that's really important that we remember that. Can you say amen? amen? Now, the other thing I want to talk about tonight that is a basic negative emotion that robs you of your emotional stability and well-being is guilt and condemnation. That's something else that will take away from you who you are in Christ, your self-esteem, your self image that God has given you. See, some people have a problem when you say self-esteem, self-image, but I have made it very clear I'm not talking about you yourself alone or me in myself. I'm talking about Jesus in us who is the hope of glory. And the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we pick up our identity from him. If we see what Jesus did, was Jesus a servant? Did he love everybody he come in contact with? Did he heal all those who were oppressed? Then that's what we're to do. We take our identity from him. Amen? Oh, but I could never, you know, pray for people. I could never do that. Yes, you could if you take his identity. And if you see yourself as he sees you. I'm not talking about some false humility. I'm talking about seeing yourself in Jesus Christ. I tell you, that doesn't cause me to, you know, puff up and, you know, think I'm, you know, something special. No, what it does is it humbles me to think that Jesus would use somebody like me. Doesn't that humble you? Knowing your, your inabilities, your frailties, your shortcomings. And Jesus said, I still want to use you. That's special, isn't it? Okay, so guilt and condemnation could be explained as self-abuse, an unworthy attitude, a sinner mentality. See, some, in some religious circles... Uh, you know, uh, I know if you go overseas very much, you'll see this. In some of those religious circles, people over there, that they will, uh, you know, they'll have a week which they might call Holy Week. And, you know, they, they do things to inflict abuse upon their physical body. Uh, you know, they might climb up a hill, uh, you know, uh, uh, with glass in it or something like that, with no shoes on and, and with their bare hands. You know why? Because they're abusing themselves. They're trying to get humble. 
But you see, that won't bring humility. That won't bring humility to you. You're going to have humility and you're going to be humble when you act like Jesus acted. And the Bible says uh, that uh, he stripped himself of his divine privileges and he became a servant. And that's how we are to become humble, is to be a servant, thinking more about others than we think about ourselves. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't think that you are somebody, if you don't think that Jesus' blood made you somebody, you are not going to be able to minister to other people. You won't because you think you have nothing to give when all the time there's this treasure chest on the inside of you that is full of the riches of God. And we're being condemned and letting the enemy condemn us. And we don't have to do that. Amen. Now, 1 John 1, 9 says this, that we confess our sin and he forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And so when we go to God in that way, this is a verse to Christians. 1 John 1, 9 is to Christians, not to people who don't know the Lord. There is scripture for people to come to Jesus, but this is for Christians who mess up. And he says here that we confess our sin. See, some people can't get past that. Well, they won't recognize that they did something wrong, that they sinned. But he said, you've got to confess your sin. Amen. You're not going to get on to where you need to be and get free from guilt and condemnation till you confess what you do. That's very important. And then it says, once you confess it, forgiveness is extended to you. He, does, he doesn't say, I'll forgive you, but I won't forgive you. He says, you are forgiven. If you confess it, his blood will cleanse you from that thing. And he says, uh, he forgives and cleanses from all unrighteousness. I can tell you, if I were God, I wouldn't forgive some people of, sin, of their sins because I think it's too perverted. I think it's too vile. But you know what? If a person is serious and they come to Jesus, they'll be forgiven. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have consequences for our sin because, you know, we're in this world and, you know, some people may hold it over heads or, or you know, they're going to remember or they're going to make it hard for you. But see, Jesus said, I will forgive you and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So at that point, we're no longer guilty. We're cleansed, we're forgiven, we're free. Amen. So we have to receive God's grace and mercy. We have to be sorry for sin, but then we have to go forward. See, some people stop right there. They're sorry for sin, but they can never go forward. Well, you just don't know what I did. I, I remember a lady uh, that I ministered to, this has been years and years ago, and this lady was in a nursing home, and she had had an abortion years. I mean, she was an elderly woman. It was before abortions were, you know, done like today so readily, you know. It wasn't legal at that uh, particular time. And, and that haunted this woman. It haunted her. And, and one day, I'm sure that she hadn't confided in many people. And one day, she began to talk to me about that. And I had an abortion, and God will never forgive me. And, you know, how will I ever, how will I ever get, uh, you know, forgiveness? How will I ever get free from this? I tell you, you get free just like I'm telling you today. You confess it to the Lord, and you get cleansed, and you get forgiven given for whatever that is. Now, it doesn't mean that there's not emotional things that you have to work through, but that's the key. You have to work through. 
You don't stay at that point of condemnation. This lady, I tried to minister to her for, for you know, just a long period of time. I tried to minister to her. I tried to give her the word so that she could understand that she was forgiven and that if she was on her way to heaven one day, she was going to see that little baby. She was going to see that child that she ended its life. You know, she was going to be unite, reunited. Uh, with them, but we cannot carry guilt and condemnation because we're not we're not made to do that. We will we will buckle under the load of guilt and condemnation, and then we don't rehearse past sins and mistakes. Why? Because you can't undo it. There's no way that you can undo the past. Now I want you to I want you to just think with me right here. There could be things in your life that you're sorry for. You look back with regret, but I'm going to tell you tonight if you don't do anything else, I want you to make a decision that you're going to pick yourself up through the grace of God and you're going to go on. If you confessed it, receive his cleansing and forgiveness. If you haven't, then make sure that you do that tonight. Paul said this, Philippians 3.13, but this one thing I do. Now you see, Paul had a priority in his life and he said, there's one thing that I know that is so beneficial, it's the one thing that I'm going to do. And he said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into the things which are before. Now, you cannot reach forward and really what it means is to stretch forward. You cannot stretch forward if you're holding on to the past. And I want you tonight by the Spirit of God to let go. Let go in the spirit of those things that you've been holding on to that bring the guilt and condemnation. I'm going to tell you, there's many that you, could, you didn't do it. You were a victim possibly. And there's nothing, you know, you, you, you weren't responsible for it, but still you are hanging on to the past. And now, now you, you see, let me say this. You may be just holding on by threads now because you know enough that you know that you don't need to fully keep holding that thing. It may just be by threads that it's keeping you connected to it. But until you totally let go, it is still holding and binding you. You've got to totally let it go. How do you let it go? By faith. God, I don't know how I can do this. I don't know how I can move beyond this point. I don't know how I can go forward, but you said this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind me, so I let it go yes. by faith. I let it go tonight, Jesus, and I'm stretching forward, and I'm going to take what you have out there for me. I'm going to receive what you have out there for me. I'm going to believe that I am who you say I am, that I can do what you say that I can do. Amen. You see, there's power in this room to free you from those things if you'll allow it to tonight. Amen. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, that's the word you've got to remember. They're behind you. They're behind you and what's in, uh, in front of you is so precious, is so good. It's the blueprint for your life. It's the plan of God for your life to do you good and not evil that we talked about last week. And you cannot hold on to it until you let go of what's behind you. Paul was speaking from a voice of experience. He had murdered Christians. He made havoc, the Bible said, in the church, in the early church in the book of Acts. 
And don't you think that those things uh, 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 wanted to haunt him? We can be haunted by our past. But you know what? If you just begin to praise God, I'm stretching forth. I am stretched forth into the future. And I'm not looking back. And praise God, I'm free. Free at last, free at last. Great God Almighty, I am free at last. And that's what God wants for you. Amen. We're slaves to the past. We're slaves to what's behind us. But you got to let it go. Do you hear what I'm saying? I mean it. Praise God. The Holy Spirit is in this room tonight. Hallelujah. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Amen. Now I'm telling you, the Bible says He is not condemning you if you are in Christ and you're walking after the Spirit. What is walking after the Spirit? If I'm walking, uh, uh, you know, if Wes was up here tonight and he was walking and I got behind him and I started going, I'm walking behind him. I'm following him. And you see, that's what the Holy Spirit, that's what he wants us to do. Follow after, walk after the Holy Spirit. You see the Holy Spirit do something, you walk behind him and you imitate and do what he does. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who are not walking after the flesh but walking after the Spirit. You see, but many times... We're in Christ Jesus, but we're so condemned, it's heaped up to here. We're buried in condemnation and guilt. But you, we're trying to walk after the Spirit. But really, when you hold on to the past, you're walking after your flesh. Why? Because your flesh, your emotions, your feelings are what is telling you that you have no right to, to be here. You have no right to do that. You remember what you did and blah, blah, blah. And you know he's got a story, you know, that can just play continuously for all of us if we want to listen to it. But I'm going to tell you, don't walk after the flesh. Don't follow after your flesh, your emotions and your feelings. They're fickle. And every day you can feel so good tonight and think you're supposed to do something in the morning when you get up. And you'll get up in the morning and your feelings and your emotions and you'll think, well, I don't want to do that. But last night you said you did. See, that's the flesh. And don't follow after the flesh. Don't follow after feelings. Now, I love it when the Holy Ghost moves and I get feelings. I love that. But you know what? You can't always count on that and you can be misled by that because it's just what I was telling you. Your feelings are fickle. Amen. Well, I just feel, you know, I just feel so condemned. I just feel so guilty about that. Well, don't follow after your flesh. Walk after the Spirit that says there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're walking after your flesh and feelings and sin and everything else, you're going to be condemned. But don't do it. Walk after the Spirit. It's a choice. Walk after the Word of God. Follow the Word. What it says, that's what you do. Amen? Amen. So we are not to be condemned and we're not to live guilty. 
because Jesus has declared us innocent. We've been declared innocent through and in Jesus Christ. We were guilty. We were guilty in our sin. We were condemned in our sin. But Jesus took our sin upon Him that we don't have to be sinful anymore. It was the great exchange. He took our sinfulness and gave us His righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? I tell you, that, that just makes me just want to shout for joy because I am not condemned anymore. I'm not guilty. I used to be. But when I came to Jesus, He made everything all right. And He'll make everything all right for you. You know, I talked about this a little bit. And I'm not going to be able to finish this tonight. I've still got some more points, but I guess Eddie will just have to let me preach some more, won't he? I don't know. But you know what? You may be receiving your identity, your self-esteem, and your self-image through other people. Well, you know, I've got this great family and my children, my husband, my wife, and all of that, obviously, that's a gift from the Lord and it's precious. And, 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 and we're to, to receive the blessing of the Lord and we're to be thankful for the blessing of the Lord. But I want to talk to you tonight. You are important as an individual, no matter what your husband or your wife or your children do, you are important to God. And take your self-esteem and take your identity from Jesus and be what He's called you to be. That doesn't mean, you know, wives, that you're to be rebellious and, uh, you know, not submitting to your husband and be dishonorable. That, no, and, and, and husbands, it doesn't mean that you just walk off and leave your wife or that you don't take care of your children. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means that you recognize that I am a, a human being that Jesus Christ died for, that I do have value in Jesus. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus, and I have a purpose to be upon this earth, and I'm going to fulfill it. You know, it, it's just like I shared with you. My husband, I know that he has a great call upon his life, and I'm going to do everything I can to help him get there. And I know you want to do that too. But you see, I have a call. I have a destiny in God. And I'm going to fulfill that. You see, I think I can help him do that and at the same time fulfill what God's called me to do. So it doesn't mean that we're just little lone rangers out here because you are a part of this church family, at least most of you are that are here tonight. And see, uh, uh, we, we work together. You know, you fulfilling your destiny helps us fulfill ours because your gifts and abilities and talents and all of that, see, you bring them into the body, into the church family, and, uh, and it causes all of us to flourish and grow. Isn't that right? Amen. So be who you are. Accept who you are. And if you don't know who you are, you know, just look at yourself in the mirror of God's Word. That's what he said. Behold yourself in the glass. Look at yourself in the Bible. See who you really are and start taking your identity this way instead of what your friends have told you, what your parents have told you, what an ex-husband or ex-wife has said about you. Don't take your identity in that way, but receive it from the mirror of God's Word. This is who you really are. And this reflection, when you look in it, he said, you are to strive to become like what you see. I'm trying to do that. Are you? 
If you're not, do it. It'll change your life. You know, you might have been mean, nasty, and cranky, but I tell you, when you get the Word of God in your heart, it'll change you. You'll be loving. You'll be kind. Why? Because you're becoming like what you see in the mirror. Now, we're all in different stages and different development, but we shouldn't remain where we've been for years. We should be changing, shouldn't we? Amen. So receive the self-esteem and the self-image that Jesus has for you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.